At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is Keenan Allen, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this year's edition of the RosterWatch.com Tradecast. My name is Byron Lambert, and of course, this is where every week of the season we will evaluate the various trade targets that are out there in our fantasy leagues, and we will sharpen our trade strategy. And the reason we do this is because the trade market is one of the most underutilized aspects of fantasy football. Most of us uh, improve our rosters over the course of the season using the waiver wire system. Uh, but less used is the trade market and can be quite effective uh, in conjunction uh, with working those waivers every single week as a means to improve your team, as a means to fortify your team, and a means to increase your chances, improve your chances of having a big, big season. I think at this point we kind of uh, have people that are in three different buckets after three games. We have those who are either off to a 3 and 0 start and they are simply looking to take advantage of the losing teams and begin picking them off for their best players and really uh, beginning early in the season to arm up their starting roster with some of the biggest name players out there uh, we have most of the rest of us who are either 2 and 1 or 1 and 2 and uh, if we have a team that we're comfortable with, what we're looking to do primarily at this point is we are looking to utilize the consolidation trade. That's where we'll take two of our players and we'll package them together and we'll send them off for one player that we view as superior in return. And uh, that'll clear a roster spot that, of course, we will then have available to us uh, to pick a valuable waiver wire pickup and continue recycling the bottom of our roster. So through that process, we're continuing to constantly level up. We're improving our starting lineup. Uh, we're cultivating the depth chart, our bench, uh, with the uh, high-priority waiver wire pickups that if you – sometimes you don't have the space. You're handcuffed. You don't have the space to make these important waiver ads – uh, or to begin cultivating like the next guys that are going to be valuable a few weeks from now. And one way to clear a roster spot is through the consolidation trade. That's the trade that we will focus on the most this season. It's a long season, especially this year. We have an extra game. 
Um, the attrition is going to be very, very real. You guys have seen it. There's already been injuries, guys missing time with COVID. Uh, you need some depth to really kind of fade the attrition of the season. So the other purpose of these consolidation trades is we're not always going after the biggest name guys. Sometimes it's a guy we like that we think uh, has a bright future that we have an opportunity to come in on on low. And, um, you know, even if it's a flex player, we're continuing at that point to build the quality of depth across our entire roster, which is going to afford us the opportunity to, uh, again, fade the attrition of the season because it's a very long season and you're going to need good guys on your bench to step up at critical times this year and deliver like your starters. And we can basically build a bench full of starter or starter, starter caliber, caliber players uh, using this method through the trade market as well as working the waiver wire. And then the third bucket, of course, is if you are 0-3 at this point, um, you know, you you either have a good team that's been underperforming and uh, it's very possible that could just have a little bit of a correction and some positive regression and maybe peel off a couple wins here. I think you need to look at your upcoming matchups and your upcoming schedules. But more than likely, those that are 0-3 are in a situation where they're not fielding the most competitive starting lineup possible every week. They have maybe a couple of holes in their starting lineup for a variety of reasons. So if you've identified yourself in that bucket, uh, then that is the time where you will consider uh, utilizing the liquidation trade. That's where you may take one of your best players or one of your overperforming players, one of your sell highs, and you liquidate them down into two pieces that you really like, maybe two buy low pieces, two buy low flex players, guys that you think have upside that maybe others in your league are sleeping on. That way you can replenish your starting lineup with more talent and you can be more competitive on a weekly basis. Uh, we would highly, highly recommend that. And the other thing that we'd want to point out here every week is that um, a lot of these guys we talk about as sells or buys, they're not necessarily must sell or must buy. Sometimes they are, and I'll point that out when they are. But a lot of times these are just uh, these are guys that you should be considering making moves with in one direction or the other if you happen to roster them or maybe have a need in that area. So let's get right to it. Let's identify uh, the top trade targets, my top trade targets, the guys that I expect to be in play on this week's trade market as we head into week four of the fantasy football season. Of course, I've got the trusty old matchup tool at rosterwatch.com uh, pulled up here to kind of guide us through this uh, conversation. So let's begin at the running back position. One of my very top, uh, we'll begin with the, you know what, let me back up here. We're gonna begin with the sell side of the market. And the reason we do this is because when you are listening to this podcast and contemplating going home this evening and um, making a bunch of trade offers, trying to trade for some of these big name guys you're interested in or whatnot. You know, really the first order of operations, this is a matter of efficiency, but it's also a matter of practicality. Uh, you need to identify whether you even have guys that are marketable, sell high type guys. I mean, do you have players that you can entice others with at this point? Because if you don't, uh, then this may just not be your week. And it's okay to sit on the sidelines uh, with the trade market uh, sometimes, but I think you should always take a little bit of time to see what the situation is because just keep in mind, a lot of your league mates are not doing this and this is a real potential advantage. So first, let's begin with 
Kareem Hunt, running back of the Cleveland Browns. Kareem Hunt, 13 touches per game. He's RB12 through three games this year in half-point PPR in terms of points per game. So technically, he's the RB2 on the Browns. He's technically a backup running back, if you want to call him that. Um, But he's been performing, by definition, as an RB1 through the first three games of this season. Um, Two out of three games have been very, very solid performances for Kareem Hunt. And he's certainly a very solid keep. I mean, clearly, he's a good asset. He's a guy we had high on the pretty high on the draft cheat sheets at rosterwatch.com during August. Uh, that's really paying off. I mean, he was a guy that we were drafting as an RB3. Again, like I said, he's kind of uh, been performing as an RB1. But in some ways, uh, that indicates to us that he is, in fact, a potential sell or sell high. You know, all of this depends on who can you go get, right? Who can you go get? And uh, we'll get to plenty of those guys later because it is a pretty robust potential buy market this week. I just think when you have guys like this, not even a starter for his team, you use guys like Cream Hunt, Hunt coming off a monster week three to upgrade to that higher class of player uh, whenever you can. We want to do that early and often this season. Let's have a look at the matchup tool. Let's see who Kareem Hunt has in store this week. I know Alex talks about it frequently. Um, I encourage all of you guys to kind of have a peek ahead at the schedule for all of these targets we're discussing uh, in this week's Tradecast. Uh, But most importantly, we need to look at what's going on with that player this particular week. Uh, Who are they matching up with this week? Because if you trade for somebody, you want them to be viable, you know, uh, pretty immediately. Number one, you might want to use them, but number two, you want to maintain that uh, that marketability, of course. So Kareem Hunt, let's see here. We have Kareem Hunt um, right here is with the number 14 matchup at the Minnesota Vikings. It's a 51 and a half point uh, over under in, in this one. Uh, we just saw the Seahawks go to Minnesota. Um, not a bad matchup, but nothing that discourages me from trying to trade Cream Hunt. It's not like we're going to miss him in a nut spot here if we really needed him. And it's a desirable enough matchup that I just don't think any of your potential trade partners in your league uh, will particularly balk at that. Next up, on the sell side of the running back trade market, the running back fantasy football trade market heading in to week four is Cordero Patterson of the Atlanta Falcons. points per game in half-point PPR. Uh, He basically gets seven rushing attempts a game and approximately five receptions a game, coming off of two really solid performances. I actually do think Cordero is legit this season, especially right now, of course, in any type of PPR format. Uh, I think he actually is a real player and has real fantasy value. Uh, But you do have to wonder, after basically almost a decade in the league, just how long can Cordero Patterson keep this up? If I was an owner of Cordero Patterson, I would consider shopping him this week, shopping him and another player and seeing what I could package those two guys up and uh, bring back in return. Maybe I can get a player that I feel more confident in, a player um, uh, that we like more for the rest of the season, Uh, You know, a, a more elite player. Cordero Patterson this week, Uh, Let's see here. We have Atlanta versus Washington, the number 23 matchup. Washington's defense hasn't been as formidable 
this year as we would have thought, but still that defensive front is no joke. Uh, it'll be probably an awful matchup for Mike Davis, which in some ways is probably good for Cordero this week. Uh, and it is at home on the fast track Atlanta. That said, it's not a great matchup on paper for Cordero Patterson this week. I think if you can pedal him uh, in a package for somebody that you like more, he's a guy we absolutely consider doing those things like that all season with. Of course, if you need to keep him, he looks like he's a really solid flex play right now. Next up on the sell side of the running back market, the week four running back market, Clyde Edwards-Elaire, 16 touches per game, only 1.67 targets per game. I mean, he's getting about the same amount of touches as guys like Austin Eckler and Chase Edmonds, but he's just not got that profile and he's not being used like that. Um, And he just is not in their class at this moment. So my opinion is who really knows what to expect moving forward out of Clyde. I'd consider trading him coming off of a 20-point game in PPR with this little uh, receiving volume. And really, he's not a consistent threat in the red zone. So you have your questions about on a week-to-week basis, what kind of viability does Clyde have here? I think you guys were scared pretty shitless the first couple of weeks if you drafted him. And I'd say a player like that, when they've got their value up, is always a good time to circle back and and see if it's time to offload that guy for somebody better, somebody you're more confident in the rest of the way. Next up, James Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars. My guy, James Robinson, actually. Uh, Looks good at 5.2 yards per carry. He's getting five targets per game. I mean, those are great numbers for fantasy for running back. The truth is the volume has been an absolute disaster, though, in Jacksonville under Urban Meyer for James Robinson. Only 14 touches per game, even though he's the clear lead guy in that backfield post-ETN injury and training camp. Uh, I think week three was really encouraging. Um, That's the James Robinson we know. That's what he's going to look like with volume and especially in some of the better matchups. And to be fair, he's got a decent strength of schedule on the season. But again, who knows what to expect? And we can only make decisions right now based on on the information that we have. And we've got to make the best decisions that we can. I think it's probably reasonable to say, who the hell knows what we have with James Robinson the rest of the way. It looked good this last week, but you know, a lot of times it's really shrewd to consider eliminating that uncertainty and moving on to a player that you uh, are more certain about rest of the way. I would try to trade James Robinson this week for somebody you trust more uh, coming off the big week three. Of course, if you can't get rid of him, Things are looking a little bit up there for James Robinson. Moving on here, so we continue with the sell side of the running back market, the week four fantasy football trade market. Najee Harris, 19 targets last week for the Steelers uh, with some of the receivers there injured. Harris really soaked up the targets. But man, that Steelers offense and particularly the offensive line, just look awful. I mean, 3.1 yards per carry for Najee Harris, that's atrocious. It's abysmal. And I'm not sure that can really improve based on what we're seeing out of the Steelers. I mean, he's going to be decent by default this season just based on volume, and of course he's getting some action in the passing game. But unless something dramatic changes in the run game, Just don't see this being an epic rookie running back season for Najee Harris. Um, He'll probably return value as like a low-end RB1, but boy, coming off the 19 targets, 
I, I'm, I manage, I roster, I own Najee Harris in a league, and you know if I have to keep him, fine, but I'm certainly not thrilled about it. I think if I can get up to a better player, I'm going to consider it. I mean, that's just an awful yards per carry, and we can't descend, depend on this kind of target share for Najee moving forward. Pittsburgh is at the Green Bay Packers, uh, number 21 matchup. Uh, on the matchup tool for fantasy running backs. So not a great matchup, not a horrible matchup for Najee. I think some people will imagine he might get some receiving volume in this one. Uh, We saw that Green Bay basically shut down San Francisco's run game the other night. Of course, it was kind of an inferior, I mean, it was Trey Sermon, and they really didn't have much to offer the the 49ers this last week. But, uh, you know, not a great matchup there with Green Bay, not a horrible one. So I don't think it's anything that, deters you from moving Najee Harris or deters potential trade partners from uh, consummating a deal with you for him this week uh, if you're so inclined. Ezekiel Elliott, 17 touches per game, certainly encouraged. A lot of people saying it's the best he's looked in a couple years. I mean, I can see why. Um, I think he's the new Nick Chubb. I think he's in the new Nick Chubb role. That's basically what the Cowboys are doing here, except... He's not as good as Nick Chubb. Certainly not anymore, he's not. Uh, Fortunately for Zeke owners, the offense is pretty damn good in Dallas. And by default, um, he's going to score some touchdowns. He looks to be their preferred back in the red zone, Zeke Elliott. So that is certainly encouraging. Uh, But he's also been 41% touchdown dependent, only 2.3 targets per game. Uh three touchdowns in the last two weeks. I think if you can look to sell him really high, if you're the position to do it, obviously not a must-sell guy and a player you're feeling a little more comfortable with, but depending on who you can get back, if I could sell Zeke super, super high, um, I would certainly consider it. I would certainly consider it. And of course, if you're keeping him, you're not feeling too bad at this point. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys... Uh, they got a tough matchup here, surprisingly tough at home against the Carolina Panthers, one of the toughest matchups in the league for fantasy running backs, according to the Week 4 matchup tool at rosterwatch.com. So you guys may want to be weary of that. I don't know. Zeke's been living on touchdowns. He's been living on the, in the end zone the last couple of weeks. Not a bad time to consider leveraging this recent performance and moving to a better player. You know, the question is, how much of a better player can you land? How many better players are out there? I think in terms of the Zeke that we're becoming familiar with now, I think there are better players out there. So at least go have a look. Some of it's going to depend. We talk about this as well. Um, There might be some targets in your league that you want to get after that aren't discussed in this podcast. And that may simply be due to the fact that somebody that's 0-3 owns a really good player you want to get after. And not everybody's a buy low, but somebody sometimes people are just a buy circumstantially in your league or for other reasons. Um, so that's the other thing, you know, the winning teams, the need to their number one do, uh, priority should be to go look at the teams that are zero and three and take those rosters in, digest those rosters. Um, if you find some of the guys we're talking about here today on those rosters, those are ideal trade targets. You might find other guys on there that um, circumstantially may be had. And one of the pieces from the running back market I would consider putting in play this week is Chris Carson. Actually saw Chris Carson, our good friend Alan Seslowski, uh, who did such a great job at Roster Watch and is now over at Rotowire, 
even though I, you know, I won't be surprised if we see Alan Seslowski back with Roster Watch Nation sometime in the future. But I was chatting with him yesterday, and there was basically a deal in one of his leagues that got done straight up. Chris Carson for Christian McCaffrey. It might have been Carson plus a tiny little bit of throw in. And, um, you know, Carson was already a guy I was looking at on the sell side. And I said, okay, well, he's in play this week when I saw that, as is Christian McCaffrey, who we'll get to uh, later in this episode when we get to the buy side of the fantasy football market for week four. But Chris Carson, less than two targets per game, 15 touches per game, 46% touchdown dependent. I mean, that's a bad profile for fantasy. Uh, I think we're hearing Rashad Penny's going to get. Uh, a little bit more involved here. Let's take a look at these. I want to look at these snap counts. I'm over on the snap counts, uh, touches, and targets tool at rosterwatch.com. He's not getting that many touches. Let's see what the snap counts have been. There's only a 43% snap count for Chris Carson this last week. Uh, that's pretty ugly and something to definitely be um, concerned about. So He's had three good consistent weeks in a, in a row that looked good in the fantasy box score, basically averaging a very consistent 14 points per game and half-point PPR. Uh, for those not willing to really drill down into the underlying aspects of his production, they're going to think he looks like a pretty damn good player if if somebody serves that up in a trade offer. Um, so Chris Carson, a, probably a pretty sharp guy uh, to go shopping, to kind of go big game hunting with this week if you want to get after a little bit higher class player of of, uh, of fantasy asset. I think Chris Carson's a guy that you can use to do it. Let's see what his matchup is this week over on the rosterwatch.com matchup tool. Uh, at San Francisco, a very middling matchup for Chris Carson this week. So nothing to be really too concerned about there in terms of marketability or if you're afraid to sell them, you're not, it's not like you're missing out on the number one matchup of the week. So we continue here on the sell side of the week four fantasy football running back trade market we got melvin gordon player a lot of you guys got using the standard half point ppr draft cheat sheet at roster watch i think y'all are all feeling pretty happy about that he was like an rb3 flex type that we just couldn't understand how he was going two three rounds after javante williams it made no sense to us from our intelligence there from training camp inside Denver this year so Melvin Gordon really paying off I think this is actually a pretty good role for him he's got a really nice profile here um, that said he's splitting time pretty evenly with the rookie so I think when you have somebody with name recognition like Gordon who's got a nice profile and producing early on again you know look to see what can be done just it's, you, you at least be do your diligence Melvin Gordon RB 15 and half point PPR through three games versus the rookie Javante Williams, who's been RB35 uh, points per game in half-point PPR through three. So basically, Melvin Gordon, a solid RB2. Javante Williams, a fringe flex RB3 type to begin the season. And the fact is, Gordon's just been flat-out superior. 4.6 yards per carry, 16 touches per game, getting 2.33 per target uh, targets per game. A very healthy, non-alarming touchdown dependency percentage. This is actually, again, a really nice role for Gordon, and he's really uh, performing. But I think kind of long-term, you're looking at, you know, could this devolve uh, as the rookie gets more integrated? Maybe, maybe not. You know, you hear Teddy Bridgewater saying that Javante Williams got some Alvin Kamara to him from his time back there in New Orleans. So you hear that, you get a little worried if you're a Gordon owner. That said, the Broncos are doing pretty damn well, and this backfield split is working. Gordon's playing well. I don't see they have a lot of incentive to change it um, 
anytime soon. Still, you got a part-time player there in Melvin Gordon. If you can level up, you absolutely should consider it. Move on to Jamal Williams. Been a real nice surprise at the running back position in Detroit. 4.67 targets per game, 13.67 touches per game, RB18 on the season, sandwiched right between Joe Mixon and Antonio Gibson. I think that right there tells you he's a bit of a sell high, uh, kind of living in the territory with those big name running backs, but decent profile for Williams, especially the targets. Um, he's been performing really pretty well. Uh, it looks like a decent flex play on the season. You know, that said, clearly DeAndre Swift is ultimately the guy there. Never going to be a total workhorse, but he's the guy that, you, you know, you want to own in Detroit if you have your druthers. So Jamal Williams, nice keep, decent flex. If you can package him up and sell him for somebody better, these are the kind of smart moves that are going to go a long way into improving your roster this season and making you a more formidable team and giving you a better shot at winning that championship. Uh, in that same light, Zach Moss, running back Buffalo, RB7 in terms of points per game in half-point PPR formats. Uh, after being inactive week one, so that points per game has been over the last two weeks. Uh, that's catapulted him into such basically uh, – high performance rb7 is really shocking 63 percent touchdown dependency for zach moss though that's absolutely unsustainable and through the roof and a very scary number um, it indicates there's no way he can keep up this delivering this type of production in this way 13 touches per game two and a half targets uh, per game to obviously a pass first offense in Buffalo, Josh Allen, and you know clearly it's a split time, and he's got to contend with another, we'll say, effective player in Devin Singletary. So Zach Moss, a decent flex, it looks like, after a rough start to this season, but you know how much can you really depend on this guy? Naim Hines got the big contract in Indianapolis right at the outset of the season. Uh, he's basically relegated Marlon Mack to being inactive. Mack is about to get traded. It sounds like uh, from Indianapolis they're trying to trade him. But uh, look, Naim Hines, 9.33 touches per game, less than 10 touches a game. That's not going to get it done. You know, in PPR where he's getting five and a third targets per game, you could squeak something out like that and give you a decent, decent flex play. But it's really not serviceable volume long-term or big picture on a week-to-week -week basis especially in any standard or half point ppr format speaking of half point ppr nine hines has been rb24 to jonathan taylor's rb28 and hines is coming off his best game of the season so look i mean he's outperforming taylor which is obviously an inversion that uh really is likely to be unsustainable again it's just another clue that he's potentially overperforming here and not a bad guy to continue you know to consider shopping if you can go get yourself a bat, a better player and we'll wrap up the week four running back side of the sell market on the fantasy football trade market here on the week four rosterwatch.com trade cast where we discuss the trade market every single week of the season james connor in arizona 3.5 yards per carry one target on the season through three games 12 touches per game 48% touchdown dependence, 
to Ben NC, it's a bad profile. It's a bad profile in that offense. Um, Edmonds is the guy. So I would trade him. I would trade James Conner if I could, coming off the best game uh, he's had this season. He had 18 points on a two-touchdown performance. If I could slip James Conner into a trade, into a consolidation this deal deal this week uh, to bring back a better asset, I'm absolutely trying to do that. You're not going to have that many opportunities to do that with Connor this year. So do it while the season's young, before he's fully exposed uh, to your league mates. And while he's coming off this big game, I think you're, the clock is ticking on moving James Connor, And he's basically dead weight on a lot of your rosters. A guy you can't drop, a guy you can't really start. That's a bad player to have on your team. Um, this is also a good time to point out that if you drafted somebody else's handcuff running back, you know, some people did that with a zero running back strategy. You know, if you're winning and you want to hold them, great. Uh, you know, I to me, I, what we see every year is this is the time of year where teams are either struggling or there's other waiver wire guys they want to pick up that are more valuable. So they, by default, they have to drop these dudes, the Tony Joneses, et cetera, A.J. Dillons of the world. You know, before you relinquish a player like that for free, they absolutely have value to the owner of the lead back in those backfields. You know, go see if you can slide those guys into a deal, and into a two-for-one. That's what most consolidation trades are, a two-for-one. Sometimes it's a three-for-two. That's where we're sending more players, consolidating them for fewer, uh, more elite players in return. I think, like, sometimes you need to sweeten the pot with that one guy. Could be an Aaron Jones owner. Could be an Alvin Kamara owner. You're close to getting a deal done. Throw Tony Jones in. Throw A.J. Dillon in. Get the dead weight off your bench. And that should be a valuable player asset to those particular owners. I really think before you drop those guys, you should see if you could get something done here um, early in the season. Let's turn the page over here to the sell side of the week four wide receiver trade market uh, here on the rosterwatch.com trade cast. Again, these guys are not must sells. They are not must sells, but they're guys that, not all of them at least, but they're guys that if you roster them, I think you look at them and you say, man, you know, like this is a pretty good time just to see, test the market, see what I can get, see what this player can fetch. We'll begin with Brandon Cooks of the Houston Texans. It's really been a delightful season so far, surprising to many, including yours truly. I just, you know, Cooks had the great season last year, but you lose Deshaun Watson and you go to Davis Mills and Terod Taylor and you just don't see how that's going to shake out, especially they got other receivers there. But the fact it's shaking out pretty well, 11 targets per game. He's wide receiver seven and average points per game in half-point PPR formats through the first three weeks of the season. I know none of you think that that is going to continue. Um, so by definition, he is a bit of a sell high. Is he a good player to keep? Sure, he's a, he's a, he's a fine player to keep. Let's see who Brandon Cooks has this week. Brandon Cooks. Oh, Lord, it's the worst matchup of the season. Brandon Cooks, Houston Texans at Buffalo. You know he's going to draw a lot of Tredavious White. It's the number 32, bright, blood red, horrible matchup at the very bottom of the week four matchup tool at rosterwatch.com. Guys, this is it. We're doing it live right here on the Tradecast together. If you own Brandon Cooks, this is the week. Package him up, ship him out. Get a better player on a better team, on a better offense. We want good players on good teams, good offenses, good offensive lines. Let's get those players back in return if we can. If not, 
He'll take the target volume and just live to fight another day with Brandon Cooks. Uh, Adam Thielen, the Vikings. I mean, it's been a good season so far, and I think all of us are pretty familiar with Thielen over the last few years as to what kind of player he is. He is, and mostly he's a pretty decent fantasy asset that's oftentimes undervalued, and he's oftentimes lives in the end zone. That's a big part of what he does. But uh, 57% touchdown dependency, that's an unsustainable rate for Thielen, who is at like 8.67 targets per game. Uh, not a bad target volume, but not, you know, we like to see when we can, we want to see double digit uh, target volume. And the reason, part of the reason is uh, the emergence of KJ Osborne in that offense as the wide receiver three. And then of course our guy, Tyler Conklin from the senior bowl starting to kind of rear his head here and look pretty damn good in recent weeks. I think he's making a case to get the ball a little more often and get a higher snap count. So, and he's a guy that should do some damage in the red zone. Um, Thielen is a, again a, a fine keep, but um, if I've got, I'm going to get to some really monster trade targets on the buy side of this week's trade market here in a few minutes. So I think some of these guys, you'll say, you know what, if I can take Thielen and get up to one of those dudes, uh, I got to consider it. Let's see who uh, we mentioned. Adam Thielen. He's got Cleveland this week again at home, high over under 51 and a half points. But boy, that's a not a great matchup there um, against these Cleveland Browns and that uh, that secondary. Tyler Lockett, you might have wished you'd try to sell him a, last week before, you know, it looked like he got a little injured this last week. Um, still on the season, his profile in terms of the bottom line is really, really good. You know, we all know basically what Tyler Lockett is over the last few years. He's a guy that goes big several games a year, and then he's a guy that kind of ghosts you a few games a year. And I think after starting off strong this year, you maybe had hope maybe that something changes in this offense a little bit, and maybe that can change. Because he's a good enough player. If he gets the volume, he can be good every week. Um, but we know the Seahawks offense, and we know Lockett. So, you know, I, it's, it's oftentimes we need to just we need to kind of read the tea leaves, you know, the writing on the wall. And the writing on the wall for Tyler Lockett is he's getting less than seven targets per game, 6.67 targets per game. Um, so, look, I think if you can shop Lockett for a receiver or any other player you like better, uh, it's he's definitely a guy worth considering that with. Let's see, Seattle, we mentioned, gets San Francisco this week, kind of a middling matchup for Tyler Lockett. On to one of our favorite rookie prospects of all times. I mean, I said as I've scouted uh, these prospects the last few years that Jamar Chase and CeeDee Lamb are the two best wide receiver prospects since Amari Cooper in 2015 to come out of the college ranks. And very difficult hair for me to split between Chase and Lamb. Uh, Different players, very, very, very good players. Anybody who owns Chase has been... Thrilled to see what he's done the last couple of weeks, especially after the reports that came out of training camp. Clearly, he's got the chemistry with Burrow. Clearly, he's I mean already basically the alpha dog there. He's big big play guy, and he's scoring touchdowns. So if you've got him, you feel good that you drafted Jamar Chase. You've played him. He's really paid off. And he's and with Burrow, he's going to continue to be good. Um, that said, we got to look here at the details, and it's five point three three targets per game for Jamar Chase. That's puny. That's puny and pitiful on a 52% touchdown dependency. Plus, we got T. Higgins presumably returning pretty soon, and he's no slouch. Higgins is a boss, especially in the end zone. 
where Chase has made so much hay the last couple of weeks. You know, beside that, Burrow looks a little up and down this season in his return from the knee injury. That O line is still pretty shaky with the Bengals. Jamar Chase, obviously, very, very pleased if you own him. Bright future. Could be your offensive rookie of the year. He's going to have a big season. Um, but the underlying numbers aren't that attractive. And I think if you can use him to go after somebody uh, of a more elite, established status, certainly worth considering. Christian Kirk and A.J. Green, two Cardinals. I mean, there's just a lot of production to go around in Arizona. I mean, I drafted A.J. Green at the end of one of my drafts, not with a lot of hope, but just based on the concept. Like, he gets the snap count as the other outside receiver. By default, he's going to get the targets in this video game Kyler Murray offense. Like, I think Kyler Murray's probably going to have an MVP season. Why wouldn't I like some of these uh you know, lesser esteemed uh, dudes that could benefit from that. So certainly Christian Kirk and AJ Green have been two of the beneficiaries so far this season in different ways. I think people get more excited about Kirk because he's more explosive. He makes the big plays. We've seen these big outbursts from him before, including last year, you know, and, you know, especially post uh, uh, acquisition of Rondell Moore, very encouraging to see Kirk uh, perform the way that he has. And then Green has been unspectacular, but, He's kind of steady at a high step snap count there on the outside, and Hopkins draws so much coverage. Uh, it, it puts Green in a pretty decent position by default in this offense, and the fact is they've both been pretty productive, uh, especially the last few weeks. Christian Kirk, though, only you know less than six targets a game, and we know from his profile, and we know that they've added A.J. Green and Rondell Moore that he is going to be a kind of a boom-bust guy um he's fine to flex if you need but i think if you can uh leverage christian kirk into a better asset that's more reliable on a weekly basis absolutely you should consider it and the same with aj green like he's producing a uh, basically by default but he doesn't look that good right he doesn't look that good we know he's kind of washed it's mostly the situation so if you have those guys you got to play them they live at the bottom of your bench not horrible but uh, the smart um, player will take those guys and use them to fetch somebody better in return. Use them to improve your bench. Use them to improve your flex position. Marvin Jones of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nine targets per game. A true golden son of roster watch. Uh, Marvin Jones is one of the very first players we ever scouted live at our very first Senior Bowl back in 2012. Um, he's been a wide receiver too. That's Really more likely to be a wide receiver three or a flex play uh, the rest of the way. There's a lot of options at receiver. Good options there at receiver in Jacksonville. It's going to be a tough season for the rookie, and that offense is going to take a while to gel. So I think if you're living this well with Marvin Jones, I don't think you should count on it moving forward. And um, he's a guy people like. He's a guy people like. I think you can put Marvin Jones in a deal to go after a player that um, you like more. Let's see who Marvin Jones. Let's see who these last couple of guys have. Marvin Jones this week. Uh, let's see. Jacksonville at Cincinnati. Not a great matchup for, for him. The Arizona receivers are at the Rams. Not particularly great uh, matchups for them. And then I'm looking back here. Jamar Chase has a pretty nice matchup again at, at home versus Jacksonville this week. So, uh not a bad time to keep him if you have to, if you can't get something done. You know, 
I think you can sell that, though, to the people that you're trading him to. Hey, he's got a great matchup this week, and um, that's always enticing. Henry Ruggs of the Las Vegas Raiders, 15 points per game the last two weeks, scored in both games. Still, he's a pretty low-volume receiver. Uh, Seven targets both weeks, and it really wasn't much different in week one when he had the stinker. It was five targets, so... You know, I think you're looking at a six, seven target per game guy in Rugs who he's going to get, they're pretty high value targets and oftentimes, but he's not going to be one of the red zone dudes with Brian Edwards and Renfro and Darren Waller there. So I like Rugs. If you drafted him, you feel good about it. It's encouraging. You can roster him. You can play him this season and a lot better than last year. Still, that first round pedigree, people are excited about the Raiders offense right now. Rugs is playing well. You know, you might have somebody in your league that thinks, oh, he, he, this guy's selling short on Henry Ruggs. I'm not so sure about that. If I could come home uh, with a player I trust more, I certainly would. And and one just with more week-to-week uh, reliability and overall upside. Same would go for Emmanuel Sanders, Buffalo Bills, coming off a big week in Buffalo. Uh, the truth is, though, he's just a six-target-per-game guy. He's not horrible to keep just based on this offense. I mean, they throw it a million times a game. Uh, but basically, I'd say since you, you you scooped Emmanuel Sanders either for free in waivers in these last few weeks or at the like, last round of your draft, if you can use a guy like that to upgrade coming off a monster performance, you should absolutely consider it. His teammate Cole Beasley, I'd put him in the same breath. Ten targets per game. He hasn't scored yet. The fantasy production is not huge, but... Guy's getting 10 targets per game. If you could somehow sell that, I think you you, you get rid of him. I mean, look, you, you got Sanders, you got Beasley. It's just too many too many folks there, too many folks there. And uh, I would move either of those Bills receivers for somebody better if I could. And last but not least, we mentioned Henry Ruggs' teammate, uh, Hunter Renfro. Actually, I had to pick him up uh, in a league today. He's a decent little loan. I almost picked him up off the waiver and started him last week to my chagrin. I should have. It would have got me a very important win uh, over Alex and a really tough league. I'm in a, just a tough injury situation basically in that league. But uh, uh, nonetheless, I picked him up this morning for free after waivers ran because Hunter Renfro, you know, he's only a seven target per game guy, but he's been productive. Uh, so you don't want to get too excited about him. He's got to compete with Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs, and Waller. So what I'm saying is it's great I was able to pick him up off the waiver wire to fill like my last bench spot. But if he's a dude that has been rostered in your league in the last few weeks and has been performing for somebody, like, I think you can – the numbers look good. Throw him in a package. Maybe he's just like that last little piece to put somebody over – uh, because they need to get a couple guys in return. Look, there's people that are 0-3 that need to liquidate. They got to get a couple of guys in return that have good matchups this week, because uh, you know because they need to because they need to get a win. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. So let's see here. We've got uh, Las Vegas. That's against 
the Los Angeles Chargers. So in that one, it doesn't look good on paper. It's a tough matchup for the receivers, but it's a big over-under. And much like this matchup against the Dolphins, you worry about the outside receivers. Uh, I feel like the Chargers secondary in some ways mimics the Dolphins. And Renfro had 77 yards and a touchdown this last week. So don't sleep on him. Um, if you can move him, we're talking about shrimpy, squirmy little pipsqueak Hunter Renfro. Uh, John Gruden called him the accountant, I think, his rookie year. Uh, you get him out of there if you can. All right, folks, let's uh, hustle on over to the buy side of the week four fantasy football trade market right here on the rosterwatch.com uh, trade cast where every week of the season you can join us to sharpen your trade strategy and also get a, an, a, a summary of all the all the assets that I expect to be in play this week on trade markets globally across fantasy football. Of course, we'll end the podcast today with some mock trade deals for you, some samples of how to make these deals, uh, deals I would you know consider in my own league. And this will serve as a guide uh, for you guys to use these players we've discussed today or even as a template for maybe other players you have in mind that fit this similar profile. All right, we hop over to the buy side of the week four fantasy football trademark. And this is where the big names are, guys. This is why you hear us preach every year that getting out to a fast start is so important in fantasy because it allows you to operate from a position of strength. Because, I mean, look look at these guys here that 3-0 and teams can consider going after this week if they've got the assets to do it. You know, if these are 3-0 and teams with loaded benches, which a lot of them probably are, you know, high-performing players kind of up and down, um, you've you got, you're kind of, got the extravagant assets across your roster, you've got the firepower to go after some of these dudes. Um, so we'll begin with the running back side of the market. Always want to look at premier players who are a little bit injured. Uh, maybe their owners can't afford to you know, wait a week or two for these guys to get back or they're goosey for whatever reason. And so clearly we need to keep an eye on the status of Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. I mean, basically the number one and two pick and just about every fantasy football format uh, this year. Both those guys are a little nicked up. Unclear that they'll be back right away. We're hearing Dalvin Cook did practice today, but he still says he's just got to kind of see how it goes. So, you know, if it looks like McCaffrey and Cook are going to miss another week, if their owner is 0-3 or 1-2, I'd just go see. Go see what's possible. Because if I could get after one of those two, uh, those are nuclear options to slide into your uh, roster uh, from the fantasy football trade market. I think the more likely candidate here, and I think one of my top trade targets for the week, uh, notwithstanding his his snap counts, which really alarming me at this moment, but um, I think if I zoom out, really does feel like Jonathan Taylor, the running back, uh, the stud second-year running back of the Indianapolis Colts, is a real ripe buy low option at this time and a ripe buy low option who has potentially enormous upside jonathan taylor 4.1 yards per carry so far on the season 3.67 targets per game 17 touches per game so you know in a lot of ways he's kind of got zeke's profile right now he just hasn't gotten in the end zone you know, truthfully he's taken a big hit since week one when he got seven targets and 23 touches and Shit, he had a touchdown taken away that he, you know, he should have had a touchdown in that game, essentially. 
so heck, I, I rostered Jonathan Taylor after week one. I was feeling very, very bullish about the situation. Uh, it's kind of curious what's happened, but that's a that's a, it's devolved quite a bit in the last uh, two weeks. Uh, and it's a little bit of a head scratch. I know they got Hines, clearly great pass catching running back, good change of pace guy. They paid him a bunch of money. They're going to use him. But I mean, geez, Jonathan Taylor turned six receptions in week one into 60 yards, 10 yards per catch. That's pretty damn good for running back. And he's a guy that had almost, I think, 40 receptions last year. So he's not, uh, he doesn't have an inability to catch the football and do something with it. But what I am concerned about with Jonathan Taylor and probably what a lot of his owners are currently concerned about is the 50% snap count. Um, that's a problem. That's a problem. It does indicate that when he's in there, he's getting the ball. Uh, that's a problem. I don't know if we can expect it to improve. I would Logic tells me it should, and it would. I think a lot of it's going to have to do with the game scripts for these Colts. Um, and that's just an offense that's still coming together. We've got a quarterback that's already gimpy there. we got to get back to health, I think, in Carson Wentz for all the Taylor, Pittman owners, everybody else out there. Good news is it does sound like Marlon Mack is all the way out of the picture. They're trying to trade him. So this is down to Jonathan Taylor and to a satellite back, essentially, Naeem Hines. So you know, in a lot of ways, I feel just based on talent, that the Jonathan Taylor breakout is probably on the horizon. At the very least, he has some big games ahead. And, you know, after only one year in the NFL, there was question marks about him surrounding him coming into drafts this year. I think he could be had. I don't think his owners are married to him at this point. Let's see. We got Jonathan Taylor here. Oh, Lord have mercy. It's the number three matchup in all of fantasy this week for fantasy running backs at Miami how much you guys want to bet Jonathan Taylor gets in the end zone he hits pay dirt this week I think it's going to happen this is a really great week to go after Jonathan Taylor and looks look none of these things are perfect oftentimes you got to at some point you're taking a chance these are calculated risks though we got to be willing to take some risks you know some rational risks we don't want to have irrational fear or aversion to taking risks because that'll basically condemn us to uh, being perpetual losers next up i'd say this is definitely a big step down from going after jonathan taylor maybe maybe not maybe on the surface it is josh jacobs las vegas raiders 75 percent touchdown dependent he only played week one he had a good week on paper but it all came from getting in the end zone uh, we know the guy doesn't catch the football and they don't intend to use him that way uh, and Jacobs hasn't played since. Out of sight, kind of out of mind a lot of times with these dudes. And then people had, uh, Jacobs owners had to sit on the sideline and watch Peyton Barber go off this last week. Go off against this Miami team that uh, we were just saying Jonathan Taylor is going to match up against with. So that could be a real, real uh, omen. I think like that could be really foreboding of what's in store for Taylor here this week. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, Barber may have earned himself a little more time. We know Drake is involved. It doesn't really look good for Josh Jacobs based on the profile. Um, but the Raiders offense does look good. <laughs> so the circumstances in the backfield don't look good for Jacobs, but to be fair, the Raiders offense looks good. Um, so we'll call that a little bit of a mitigating factor. I think if I can buy low enough, this is not a buy. This is a buy like low that I can have a little interest in Josh Jacobs. I mean, he is the running back one 
on the Raiders and a team that's offense that's heating up. So I, again, I think he's a dude that if you can take your chances on, I mean, imagine trading for him and that being like your flex or, you know, RB three, it's really not a bad, really not a bad uh, really risk to take in that situation. And he is trending towards playing this week. That's Josh Jacobs. Uh, with a great matchup. It's a number seven matchup on the week four matchup tool at rosterwatch.com and a big over-under this week, 52.5 point expected game total. So you know what? If Jacobs gets back out there, this could be a sneaky comeback week for Jacobs, and you might want to consider getting ahead of the curve on that. Uh, We'll talk about a couple of his, uh, I guess his peers from the – Shit, what was that, the 2018 draft at this point? The 2018 running back class, I believe. Was it 19? It might have been 19. Miles Sanders and David Montgomery. Uh, there was the you know the big, among draft nicks, those were the three guys that you were really sorting through as you're sorting through as the top three running back prospects that year. It's definitely kind of been up and down for all of them. That, that said, we all knew that was not an elite running back class, and I think it's kind of shown here and, Surprisingly, Josh Jacobs, maybe unsurprisingly with the Raiders, was a, he was a round one pick, if I remember correctly, which very unusual for the running back position, especially anybody who's kind of like sub-elite coming out of college. Um, let's get to Miles Sanders. He's just not getting the touches. And that's the bottom line. Less than 13 touches per game. But he's getting 5.2 yards per carry, and he's averaging almost nine yards a catch. The dude is explosive. He's making a lot out of his touches. And we saw this offense struggle a little bit when they make it a purely Jalen Hurts offense. They have to run the ball a little more. It was an egregious how few rushing attempts the running backs got uh, for the Eagles against the Cowboys uh, this last week. So, you know, hopefully uh, uh, rational minds prevail and Miles Sanders gets an uptick. I think it would be smart from a football perspective. And so... Logic dictates I think that could happen, and his underlying efficiency is so nice that we know if he gets a few more touches, it's going to lead to significant amount more production for Sanders. Again, not a perfect prospect. Um, risk comes with the acquisition, but I think it's a calculated risk and a guy that um, you know has explosive upside. And, and much like we just talked about with uh, uh, these other guys, man, this is some of these trade targets. Jonathan Taylor, the number three matchup of the week at Miami. Uh Josh Jacobs, the number seven matchup of the week at the Chargers for for fantasy running backs. We've got Miles Sanders, the number eight matchup of the week for fantasy running backs at home against the Chiefs. Monster over-under in this game, 54.5 point game total. We saw what Austin Eckler did in this spot last week. You know, Gainwell gets some of the rookie Gainwell gets some of that role here with the Eagles. He's a good young player that really can catch the football, but I think it's we can think of Miles Sanders a lot, potentially like Austin Eckler in this matchup. Uh, That's enticing. And then right here, too, the next guy on the list on the sell side of the week four running back market right here on the rosterwatch.com trade cast, David Montgomery, the other uh, piece of that running back triumvirate, I guess, from what was it, the 2019 NFL draft. Uh, David Montgomery with the monster week one. People were fired up about that. I mean, the guy's a heck of a player. He gets the number six matchup of the week this week at home for fantasy running backs against Detroit. Only a 42-point game total, but just a really great spot for somebody like Montgomery to get going here. 
Uh, obviously, we hate Matt Nagy and the Pee Wee Junior High smoke mirror squirt gun offense that that guy runs. It's to the detriment of every fantasy player there, and it has been four years. we got to kind of see what happens with the quarterback situation. I mean, clearly people are down on the Bears' offense right now after what we saw last week. It was a nine sacks by the Browns on Justin Fields. It's just not quite totally ready, and then you have kind of – Matt Nagy kind of riding the fence or vacillating on what he's going to do at the quarterback position. Uh, Andy Dalton, we're waiting to see, you know, what his return status is from injury. We're hearing it could be Nick Foles has a chance to get in the mix. Um, You know, Montgomery was good with Dalton in week one, but it's just unclear what's going to happen there. And, you know, there was a lot of people theorizing that David Montgomery was going to be really good with Justin Fields was the way that would kind of open the field, the interior run lanes for him, especially if they're doing any kind of zone read type stuff. Um, You know, we haven't seen that yet. And I think his owners are probably pretty nervous. So Dave Montgomery is the RB 23 in points per game in half point PPR, just a fringe, fringe, low end RB two, basically an RB three through three weeks he's fallen behind my guy james robinson 4.4 yards per carry three targets per game uh, 17.33 touches per game it's a decent profile for montgomery but the fact is he's a volume back he's a volume back and you worry a little bit about these game scripts too if they get the rookie quarterback in there um been a big setback for the offense the last two weeks for these bears and for dave montgomery owners um it's not looking great, but I think, again, Dave Montgomery's the kind of guy you have to consider taking a chance on uh, if you're looking to upgrade your running back position or your flex position uh, on your fantasy football roster. A couple more guys here. Um, Damian Harris, New England Patriots. That's a predictably really bad week last week for him. Uh, certainly has him beginning to work in the passing game. Uh, you know, obviously, we're always a little bit weary of Belichick running back rooms, but you know, we got we saw some stuff to get really excited about there the first couple of of weeks. And uh, look, James White is out for the season now, so this leaves JJ Taylor, who I really like, to kind of slide in as the James White role. But I mean, clearly, the team hasn't been that. Um, I inspired with him because I thought, you know, he was in an inactive week one. I would have thought we would have seen him a little bit more early in the season based on how explosive he looked in the preseason. But, you know, James Wright, had, why did just, he'd seize that role with, I think, the rookie quarterback that they really need to make to, uh, sure to protect uh, this year. But no, James White, you know, we know Damian Harris can catch the football. Will they feed it to him like that? It's unclear. But you would think that he's going to inherit at least some of the action from James White. Um, so that's good. Uh, what's not good is is a terrible matchup this week at home against Tampa Bay with just a dominant defensive front. Uh, it could be a lot like last week for Harris against the Saints. So maybe tread a little bit lightly here. Could be that Damian Harris has another bad game and is a real buy low next week. But I think big picture, no James White coming off the bad game. I think by default he's their lead guy. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson's not going to cut it. Um, calculate a risk that uh, there are better days ahead for Damian Harris and that he may be had for cheap at this point. Again, maybe maybe his owners covet him now that James White has gone down. And if so, let, let that marinate for a week. He's probably going to have another um, 
tough game uh, this this week, and you may have another a second bite at the apple with Damian Harris next week. A couple more guys on the buy side of the week four running back market. I think Tony Pollard is a sneaky one. Um, and I separate him from the other kind of handcuff running back guys I talked about in the in the, in the first part of this podcast. Uh, to me, Pollard is developing into a standalone flex play that's uh, going to be in the light potentially of a Kareem Hunt as the season progresses. I said I think Zeke Elliott's kind of taking the Nick Chubb role, and what that indicates then is that I, I believe Pollard has the opportunity to earn a Kareem Hunt role, and the guy looks damn good, and he's certainly got the receiving chops. He needs more touches, frankly. He's, he looks like a hell of a player. We know Zeke is looking a little better. Um, this year, but uh, he's still, I mean, it's its apples and oranges when you see the way that Tony Pollard explodes upfield with the ball. It's just, it happens at a totally different speed than it happens for Zeke. And uh, I think based on all the hype around Zeke this last week or so, um, I, I, I would expect that a lot of people are kind of moving south on Tony Pollard right now. And if he's not valued in your league, to me, He's a flex play. So if I could get him as a flex player, I don't mind having him on my roster. And then the good thing about him is he has that upside. If Zeke goes down, he's got nuclear upside. So it's not like one of these handcuffs that just sits on your bench and rots away. You can actually flex him if you need to. And he's got enormous upside. So Tony Pollard, we talked about liquidation trades. Let's say you know, you're trying to fill out a more complete roster with good players you know, I think you could aim a little higher than Pollard. You want if you're you're probably liquidating because you're losing. You need to get a win. You might want folks that are a little more reliable. But look, you get you, you get a, a few flex players back of that ilk in return, of which Tony Pollard may be. Uh, I think you got to consider it. And then Elijah Mitchell running back for the 49ers. I mean, who knows exactly how that's going to shape up? But Trey Sermon just didn't look good. I've said all along Elijah Mitchell is dude to keep an eye on i mean we've been saying that since the senior bowl i think he's the most like raheem mostert um you know it may it may be that none of these backs really have a massive breakout for the 49ers but i would say trey sermon has reopened the door for mitchell um i didn't think they use sermon like a guy that they intend on totally replacing mitchell with it could be a split backfield but fact is i just think mitchell looks better at this point so i think uh he's an interesting guy that if if he's being kind of uh his value is being diminished in your league at the moment which it easily could be uh you're not you're not fixated on him uh you're not throwing the kitchen sink at the elijah mitchell owner but you know you're looking to see if you could scoop him up on the cheap that's for sure Guy, you won't scoop up on the cheap, but a lot of times we say, look, some of these guys, you're not going to buy low on them, but the fact that you might even possibly be able to buy them, the fact that they might even be in play on the trade market this week is big news uh, on its own. So let's flip to the wide receiver side of the week four buy buy market, fantasy football trade buy market. These are really elite options. This, This is probably the most appealing exciting part of this week's trade market is that there are some big time wide receivers out there to be had this week i think they can be and so we'll begin with tyreek hill certainly going to be one of the most difficult ones to go after um but the fact is he's wide receiver 
12 in points per game and half point PPR after the first three weeks. And almost all of that is entirely on the back of the epic week one monster he had. Uh, otherwise, it's been five and a half targets a game over the last two games for less than seven points per game. And he would be like not even in the top 50 wide receivers. So, you know, is anybody buying that if you're peddling that to the Hill owner in your league? Not really. But, you know, his value's a little bit soft right now. So if it's an 0-3 team that has Tyreek Hill and needs a couple of good players in return and you're a winning team with assets, like you would be dumb not to just go investigate what the hell's up with Tyreek Hill in your league. Say the same thing applies for Stefan Diggs, 11 targets per game. He's wide receiver 33 through three games, uh, points per game in half point PPR. Uh, one of the guys I was very bullish on going into the season and certainly has, in this offense, has way better days ahead and probably some positive regression that's going to result in some a couple of massive breakouts here anytime. Uh, let's see if Buffalo gets any release this, this week. Uh, oh, look, they get the Houston Texans at home this week. That should be a plenty good matchup. Buffalo's a massive favorite, so... You know, will they be throwing the whole game against Houston? I don't know. We've seen Houston stay competitive in these games a little more than folks would thought. And the fact is, as the trash man says, if you're going to blow a team out, you've got to get ahead somehow. And that very easily could be Josh Allen finally bombing it to Stephon Diggs, who's really been the victim of some pretty tough matchups uh, here to begin the season. Because, again, the target volume is there with Diggs, 11 targets per game. I mean, those are those are those two Metrics do not comport. 11 targets per game tied to Josh Allen, uh, resulting in a wide receiver 33 at the through this. He's like he's clearly a buy low. He's getting some of the most targets in the league with one of the best quarterbacks. It's a very good opportunity to go after Stefan Diggs. I think he's more likely to obtain than Tyreek Hill at this point for reasons that most of you guys probably understand. Um, so uh, that could be uh, one of our. Well, that's probably one of our top targets. I think Stefan Diggs is a source of a lot of interest this week uh, for Roster Watch Nation on the fantasy football trade market. Uh, we'll move along to Keenan Allen. He should also be right in there. 11 targets per game. Number 16 wide receiver points per game and half point PPR on the season. So it's been decent for Keenan Allen. But compare that to Mike Williams, his teammate, who's number two wide receiver in all of fantasy points per game right now. So clearly that's not going to stay like that. And there'll be some type of correction where those guys come back to some sort of equilibrium. I mean, we predicted from camp that Mike Williams would close the gap on Keenan Allen some this year, but certainly there's, there's not destined to be a season long inversion of this magnitude. Uh, Keenan Allen this week, he is going to get the Raiders. I mean, that's historically a matchup he's had great success in. The game's at home. This is a good get-right spot for Keenan Allen this week and absolutely a golden son of Roster Watch Nation that we uh, should be very interested. Uh, we should be in hot pursuit of Keenan Allen this week if we're looking to upgrade our wide receiver or flex spot on our starting roster. Uh, then we have Calvin Ridley in Atlanta. He's been a disappointment. Just under 10 targets per game, though. So that's really appealing. That offense has not gotten going. Uh, clearly, he's going to get all the opportunities that basically you know you hoped for if you drafted him. But uh, he's performing as wide receiver 38 
on points per game and half point PPR formats through the first three weeks. That's simply unacceptable. And certainly his owners are down on him and down on that offense at this uh, point in time. So Calvin Ridley, another very ripe, high-end wide receiver, you know, to go after this week. So, I mean, here's the thing. Go find, you know, you got to see which of these guys is in play in your league, right? You know, is it an owner that's willing to do deals? Is it an owner that's losing? Um, you got to kind of evaluate all that. But, uh, you know, the good news is if you can't get Tyreek Hill this week, you can look to see if you can get Stephon Diggs or you can pivot to Keenan Allen or you can pivot to Calvin Ridley or, you know, maybe you can even pivot to DeAndre Hopkins, who's only been registering six targets per game through the first three weeks, a little bit hurt last week, kind of a decoy, 53% touchdown dependency coming off of a bad game. You know, obviously big time name recognition and a very, very good player um, that we would always be interested in acquiring and taking our chances with is DeAndre Hopkins. How low will his owner sell him? Uh, You know, probably not very low, but again, if he's even available, that's news in itself and absolutely uh, uh, deserves the attention to see what's going on with DeAndre Hopkins in your league. I mean, the fact is there's a lot more targets there in Arizona this year too. Um, so a lot of this will depend on what his owner in your league thinks of him, but certainly I would investigate what's going on with DeAndre Hopkins, see if I could bring him home. Uh, that would be a hell of an addition uh, the rest of the season. Julio Jones with Tennessee, six targets per game, less than seven points per game in standard through three weeks and he's not really getting the monster snap percent you'd like to see at least not yet you know he didn't he missed basically all of training camp i think you can see it's just taking time you know aj brown and julio missed all the training camp i think he's just seven and that's kind of been the detriment to this uh titans offense and maybe we've seen ryan Tannehill come back to earth a little bit versus last year and what the expectations were going in uh, to this season that said i think pretty quickly I mean, as much as we love A.J. Brown, it's it's pretty difficult not to recognize Julio Jones as the alpha or at least as uh, as an alpha. And I think Tannehill's waking up to that pretty damn quickly. And look, we've got A.J. Brown uh, with a strained hamstring right now. So he's gimpy and kind of been unavailable. And so there's some reason to be interested in Julio Jones Uh, This week, it is surprisingly a difficult matchup at the New York Jets this week for Julio Jones. I'm not sure how much I buy that. After week one, we were thrilled. We were doing cartwheels to play any receivers we could against the Jets. I know that hasn't really worked out so much the last couple weeks. I think it could be game script related as teams are maybe kind of beating up on them and going a little bit more to the run, which certainly Tennessee could absolutely do with Derrick Henry. This could be a big monster Derrick Henry game this week. It's the number four matchup in all of fantasy for fantasy running backs, and it's a tough matchup for the quarterback, tight end, and wide receiver. So, look, this could be a Derrick Henry week. Uh, might give us another opportunity to circle back on somebody like uh, Julio Jones next week. Uh, you know, but uh, and and look, his 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 owners may overvalue him just based on the name recognition. But look, we're interested in Julio Jones at this point if we can get a decent deal on him. And and the same goes with AJ Brown, but that's going to depend on your situation. You can't be a losing team taking on injured players or guys who might miss time. It's a hamstring strain. That's a bad injury uh, for AJ Brown. He's so tightly muscled and wound up. Uh, kind of reminds you of you know like an old T.O. or something. These guys are subject to these 
soft tissue injuries and um you know it's unclear at this moment exactly when he'll be back and at what percentage you know will he be at full strength um so you got to kind of tread a little lightly but aj brown certainly his owners are disappointed at this point and he was having like a legendary training camp we know he's an absolute beast i think he's a really solid guy uh to go after as like a stash if you have the luxury to be able to do it if you're three and oh and you've got the room you got the players you can give up for him I think A.J. Brown is definitely interesting. Deontay Johnson of the Steelers missed last week. But the guy's getting 11 targets per game. And I think we know that offense looks bad, obviously. But we know he leads that offense in targets. And he's just that's kind of been his role the last couple of years. Um, matchup this week at Green Bay, if he's able to return, I think that's a decent spot for Deontay to uh to maybe begin coming back into focus. So Deontay Johnson, somebody should look at just mostly based on target volume there. And of course we want to make sure we're getting a good deal on a player like that. We're not going head over heels for him, but he he's a, he's a nice player to bring, bring home in return in that circumstance. And let's buzz through a few more of the wide receivers here before we get to our mock deals and close out this inaugural episode of the rosterwatch.com tradecast, the week four tradecast where we're analyzing and strategizing around the fantasy football trade market. Antonio Brown of the Bucks, slow, he had a slow week too, and then he was out last week with COVID, and he's only averaging five targets a game. So again, kind of out of sight, out of mind. Uh, they go to New England this week. Uh, look, I'm happy to add Antonio Brown connected to Tom Brady. I think we should treat him as like a wide receiver three as a flex, but if you get him uh, in that capacity, that's a nice haul. That's a nice haul. Look, Jerry Judy, one of our favorite players preseason, monitor his injury. You know, if you're a good team that's winning, he's a sneaky guy to scoop up for really cheap right now that I think is going to be pretty solid when he comes back. Treat him like Antonio Brown. Treat him as like you're trading for a guy that's a few weeks away. Um, and when he returns, he's going to come back as like a flex or a wide receiver three. I think that means you can get him for peanuts on the dollar. And um, if you're midseason rolling out Jerry Judy as your wide receiver three or like your flex, you you oftentimes you're going to feel like an absolute king. Uh, Devontae Smith, Philadelphia Eagles, been a rough start for the rookie there. It's only six points per game in standard, getting seven targets per game. Clearly, though, he's their best wide receiver. And I expect that situation to improve as the season progresses. I think Devontae Smith is a decent buy low wide receiver that you could kind of stash as a potential wide receiver three or flex that could really emerge as a nice uh, role player for you in those roster spots as the season escalates. I'd say the same for Robert Woods. Obviously, Robert Woods owners have a ton to be concerned about so far. Um, it just looks like his role in the offense is a kind of a diminished role circumstantially this year. But that's what it looks like. I'm not sure that's what it is. I, I I tend to think Robert Woods, especially with the way this offense is throwing the football, will have his bounce back and will have better days. But clearly his owners have to be very sour on him and may not value him at all this at this point. Only 6.33 targets per game for Robert Woods, less than seven points per game in standard. I think he's a sneaky guy to add. Uh, if you can this week. And then we got Will Fuller, a little banged up, missed practice today. Um, 
But he's back, and I thought he looked good last week in his uh, return, and he started to kind of pop there at the end of the game. Again, not a player you want to go crazy with, but I think a player that's been out of sight, out of mind. He's missing practice again. Had a pretty puny game in his return. I mean, people are probably frustrated with Will Fuller, especially if they're losing. Um, Do I want to go crazy tied to Jacoby Brissett, and how much do we love Tua? Not necessarily, but I think in a competitive league, if you can bring Will Fuller home, like to your bench and some kind of deal, uh, it's not a not a horrible guy. And then, and then, last but not least, Michael Thomas. Uh, look, we don't want to trade for injured players unless we're really in a luxurious position, and it's probably too early in the season to really determine that. You, you know, three and zero can be a little bit of a uh, mirage, but for those that are inclined to do so, I mean, I do believe that probably poking around on Michael Thomas is not a horrible idea. You know, check out his injury status. Check out who rosters him, see what his situation is in your league. Maybe we're a week or two out from that, but uh, keep an eye on it. Speaking of Devontae Smith and Robert Woods, uh, Devontae Smith, it's the number four matchup of the week versus Kansas City in a massive game total at home. This could be a spot that Devontae Smith uh, uh, breaks out a little bit. Uh, and then with the Rams, uh, same thing with the Rams at home against Arizona Cardinals. This could be a really sneaky spot for somebody like Robert Woods to break out. I'd actually, if I wanted either of those guys, I'd I would try to obtain them uh, this week. And speaking of obtaining these players, we always leave you with some mock trade deals here, so you guys can have a little bit of a template to go on in your league. Uh, so let's begin. Let's say we wanted to go after Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook this week because we're a winning team with a whole bunch of assets and you know we can try to take a risk or we can pony up a whole a whole bunch of assets you know i think look at guys like kareem hunt you know can you do kareem hunt and let's say christian mccaffrey misses more time can you take kareem hunt and clyde edwards hilaire and package those guys together and go to a christian mccaffrey owner who maybe needs to get a win this next couple weeks or this week and you're offering them two really damn good players at the at that point. Can you begin to get something done there? Maybe not for McCaffrey, maybe for Dalvin Cook. Maybe it's Kareem Hunt and James Robinson or Clyde Edwards Elaire and James Robinson. Can you if we hear that Dalvin is going to be limited or might not play this week, can can you get in on him by sending pretty two pretty good assets who've performed recently uh, at the position? You know, or maybe maybe you take Najee Harris and Cordero Patterson. And go after Dalvin Cook if it looks like he's going to miss any more time. Or maybe you could use a Henry Ruggs or a Christian Kirk and package them up with Najee Harris. Or you know maybe it's Najee Harris and James Robinson. Or even Najee Harris and Clyde Edwards-Alaire you go after McCaffrey with. Uh, maybe it's Najee and Hunt if you got to pony up real big for McCaffrey. This is going to depend on your situation. Are you in a position to really forfeit those assets and stay competitive? If so, like of course you want to speculate on the most you know premier players like Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook, uh, as we mentioned, I saw Chris Carson go straight up or nearly straight up for Christian McCaffrey yesterday. I don't know what the exact circumstances in that league were, but um, even so, I mean, what if you could take Chris Carson and Nime Hines and go get a Christian McCaffrey this week? Um, like I would certainly look into it. Uh, last but not least, you could also think about maybe like a Clyde Edwards Elaire and a Brandon Cooks. You know, that's the kind of package you might be able to cobble something together with uh, for one of these high end uh, running backs or players, or maybe a James Robinson and Brandon Cooks. You know, maybe, maybe something a little bit richer than that. But I think you can begin to look at 
at least putting those offers out there and just, you know, let's see what happens. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, another guy we're pretty interested in taking a crack at this week. You know, can you package Melvin Gordon and Marvin Jones together and go after Jonathan Taylor? Uh, can you package Jamal Williams or Zach Moss up with Brandon Cooks and go after Jonathan Taylor? Maybe you package Jamal Williams and Zach Moss together and go after JT. Uh, you know, or perhaps you're an Adam Thielen owner and you're deep at wide receiver. Can you ship Adam Thielen straight up for Taylor? You might be able to, or maybe Thielen plus a throw in. I mean, that's the stuff to kind of consider. And again, remember, if you're on the other side of this, if you're trying to liquidate, if you're trying to liquidate, uh, you want to go after, you know, if you're trading a big time player because you need to bring a couple of guys back, you need to go, you need to go after, you know, you need to get two good players in return. Uh, that we discussed on the buy side of this podcast. Um, let's say we want to go after Stefan Diggs. Can you do Clyde Edwards-Hilaire straight up at this point? If so, I would. Uh, can you do Kareem Hunt or James Robinson straight up? Or maybe you got to do Kareem Hunt and Emmanuel Sanders or James Robinson and Hunter Renfro. Can you get something like that done for Diggs? Can you send Henry Ruggs and Marvin Jones in a package for Diggs? Can you take Christian Kirk and Ruggs or Jones and get something done for Diggs. Can you send AJ Green and Brandon Cooks in a deal for Diggs at this point? Uh, those are all things that must be considered uh, at this moment this week because you're not going to have this opportunity on Diggs much longer, and he's one of the truly elite options that's worth taking a chance on. Uh, we spoke a little bit about Devontae Smith and Robert Woods. Don't sleep on that opportunity really beyond this week because of their matchups. I think if you're interested in those guys, uh, you just go for it uh, this week before they get these juicy matchups. Um, you know, again, we don't want to go crazy because we don't know. There's uncertainty associated with these two players. But can I send Jamal Williams or Zach Moss straight up for Devontae Smith or Robert Woods? If I needed a wide receiver, I'd certainly consider it. You know, even better. Could I take James Conner? And Hunter Renfro or James Conner and Emmanuel Sanders. And can I go get a Devontae Smith or Robert Woods? It might be a long shot. I think you might be able to do something like that for Woods if that owner needed to get a couple of players in return. And then uh, last but not least, uh, Roster Watch Nation. We're getting a lot of questions about how to upgrade the tight end position through the trade market. So I will say I think Kyle Pitts and Noah Fant also are pretty obvious, solid fantasy tight end trade uh, targets this week. It, truthfully, I might like Noah Fant more than Kyle Pitts. I know he has a good strength of schedule the rest of the way, and I think you might be able to get him for a little bit less than Pitts, but you, you need options because you just don't know what's available uh, in your league. So those are the two guys I would look at. I would take your current tight end and throw in Christian Kirk or Marvin Jones or maybe Henry Ruggs plus your current tight end. And can you get up to a Kyle Pitts or a Noah Fant by packaging two players like that together. Can you take your current tight end and throw one at James Conner and get up to one of these guys? You know, probably depends on how good your current tight end is, but you know, you know, maybe or something to that effect. Or, or look, maybe you just go straight up. Melvin Gordon, Jamal Williams, Zach Moss, Nyme Hines. Can you trade any of those dudes straight up for Noah Fant or Kyle Pitts if you can and if you need tight end help and if you're deep at running back, then I think you should absolutely consider it. And then the last note that I'll leave you with is that if um, if you've got if you're in a position to do it, I, I also think that this is a sneaky time. Maybe on he might be being dropped. Maybe even on waivers to think about buying low on Trey Lance and stashing him. 
Uh, I'd say the people that drafted him early, there's a good chance that they are at a point where they've they've got to consider looking at doing something uh, with that guy. And so if you're a winning team that can stash him and maybe you want a long-term potential nuclear option to upgrade your quarterback position over the course of the season, then I think he's a really, really good stash. Well, that's it, folks. There you have it. Uh, Thank you so much and best wishes on this week's fantasy football trade market. And uh, until next time, so long, Roster Watch Nation. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.